Welcome to another episode of the Snafu Player Series. Uh, I'm Rick, and Jeff is with me as well. Say hi, Jeff. Hello. And our special gift, g- gift, gift, gift. Uh, I don't know. Our special guest tonight. Uh, say hi, Ian. Hi. Uh, I thought it was a special gift. I was you're, waiting for you to finish the you tea are a there. Gift. Gift. You are a gift to our group for sure. It's nice to have you in our group. Uh, so, for those that don't know, uh, you're local to us. You, I am. Yeah. I saw you yesterday. That's another way of saying he's close to our heart. <laughs> that too, for sure. Um, yeah, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Ian. Uh, I grew up in the Twin Cities uh, here. Um, I've been wargaming probably since 1999-ish. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Gotta, what, was your, what was your first system? What, what game was that when you started in 99? Oh, uh, it was uh, Warhammer 40K, 3rd edition. 40K. Uh, yeah. What was your army of choice? Uh, I started with Blood Angels and, and ended with uh, Imperial Guard, I think. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, you know, nerdy, early teenage basement hammer back in the day. <laughs> okay, okay. So that was like you started in someone's basement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with, yeah. with some buddies. Kind of like the, the classic 40K or even fantasy story, quite honestly. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, was that in the Twin Cities? Yeah, it was. Uh, okay. Yeah, just down, a buddy of mine down the street, uh, you know, hung out at his house a lot and happened to walk in one day and he and another buddy had these miniatures on, on this table. And, uh, yeah, it was a real ramshackle setup, but uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> usually they are in the basement. <laughs> yeah. They usually are like, here's the can and here's the yeah. box. But Although not, not, not unlike a lot of 40K terrain these days, right? That's a, this <laughs> might be a shot across the bow. You might be right, though, like, yeah. unfortunately, especially the tournaments that I've seen. you got to play with uh, what you got, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, there's something about I don't particularly care for the what they have for terrain. But the standardized terrain is kind of interesting from a like a competitive standpoint. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, sure. So, so when you first saw the game, was it the was it the models that got you, or was it like the game itself that got you? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, earlier in the nineties, like for one Christmas, an older cousin of mine had gotten like an orc battle wagon, nice. and, he, and he had put it together in the weekend, you know, the Christmas, you know, a couple days of Christmas that the whole family was gathered together, and I thought that was so cool. So when I saw this. Uh, these miniature pieces in my buddy's basement. I was like, "Oh, I remember this. This looks. This is awesome." And cool. So, okay. Yeah. Wow. That's. A, I mean, that's really cool. Like, that's. I mean, I wish I had my story was like that, but mine wasn't that cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> why don't you? Uh, what? When was your first tourney? What? What was your first tourney? Was it a forty k game? A forty k when you started? Yeah, yeah. It was a fifth edition forty k tournament. Okay. It was at. Uh, it was one. I don't know. Like. It was like uh, probably 2009-ish, something like okay. that. So, okay. 
Um, but yeah, it was a local like store tournament at uh, Phoenix Games back when Neil still owned Phoenix Games. Out in uh, Deep Haven? Yeah, it was at Deep Haven at the time. It was yeah. He had moved from Minneapolis to Deep Haven. Okay, that was early on. Yeah, it was probably pretty close to when he had, re- relatively recent for him moving from Minneapolis. Yeah. Which that was that was a whole fiasco in itself. For my goodness, for anyone that's local, to, when when the Phoenix moved from there to out to the middle of nowhere was quite the quite the jarring experience for many players. Because that store was, I mean, that was a, the, the the Minneapolis store was a was kind of a landmark. Because mm-hmm. it was like an sure. It was that's, like on Lake, wasn't it? That's the first yeah, tournament I ever on played, and was a forty k tournament on Lake Street at Phoenix Games. It was a forty k tournament. It wow. was a forty k tournament there. Yeah, I'm like I played in a fantasy at least a couple fantasy tournaments there. Before it went to the other places, but man, I guess that's really going back. It feels like it's really going back. What? That's thirteen years ago already. Yeah, well, yeah. I've been playing there is twenty-two years ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been playing. I've been playing that long too. But anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, you've kind of answered all of our background stories. Uh, uh, what, any other game systems that you play right now? I kind of, I kind of uh, know these questions. Play right now? Um, not really. Or, right well, now. maybe painting. Are you painting anything right now? Uh, right now. Let's see. I just committed to. Well, I, I just uh, I just committed to buying some Huns off of Monty uh, last night. Okay. So I'm going to be painting some Saga Huns. Um, oh, cool, cool. Because you know I can't say no to horses. Um, no, no, you really can't. <laughs> you really are kind of loose for them. Yeah, you really like the horses. Um, but so but no, I don't think I'm playing any other. Any yeah, I'm not playing any other miniatures games right now. Okay. I've played. All of the other ones, like, you know, all jump ones. from 40k to fantasy to Kings of War to X-wing to Infinity, Test of Honor, all those. Yeah, I've, I've played okay. a lot of them, but the only thing I'm playing right now is Saga. And or sorry, the only thing I'm painting right now is Saga, and the only thing I'm playing right now is Bolt Action. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know you have some Lord of the Rings stuff in the queue, or World yeah, that's game, true. Maybe you know, I, I did. I, I, that was my uh, that was my European game when, when okay. I lived in Europe for about a year year and a half. Uh, I decided I didn't want to bring any miniatures with me, so I got there and I'm like, well, crap! I want to play miniatures <laughs> games still, and you know, Lord of the Rings is a small model count or was a small model count at the time, so. There were okay. people at the local club that played it, so yeah, I did that for like a year. Was it was it big in the area? Obviously, I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah, it was really big in Dundee. Nice. It was a lot of fun. I, like, I'm kind of jealous. Like, I'd love to see more Lord of the Rings played because I mean, it, it obviously the lore is, you know, arguably one of my favorite, some of my favorite books. Yeah. They so, can make like, a great movie out more. of that. I mean, hell. <laughs> well, they really kind of messed up Hobbit. Unfortunately, I, I mean, in my opinion, they really fucked up Hobbit, but. Hopefully the new Amazon series isn't a fiasco. We can all just cross our fingers and hope. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that it's not going to be bad, but I'm not holding out any hope, but unfortunately. We'll see. Pleasantly surprised, right? Going with right. all expectations and it'll be better, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, so we kind of we kind of asked this question before, but it, it, let's... So mm-hmm. now, I've, after, what, that's a lot of years from since when you started playing... Um, have you found that your balance is more focused on gaming or is it more focused on the hobby side or is it kind of, you know, balanced? Sure. I, I wish I could say that I'm a balanced, like, hobby and game player, but I'd be lying. Um, <laughs> I'm here to play the game and to have, like, interactions with people and roll dice across a table from someone. Um, I enjoy painting and, like, I'm glad when the project's done. And 
I get really excited about the idea of a new project, but, you know, if I could just, like, have the painted models that I want to build the list to play the game, like, there wouldn't be, like, a piece of my heart missing. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> sure. Yeah, fair. Okay. That's that's a good answer. I, I mean, that make, definitely makes me feel like you're more on the on the game side than you yeah. are on the on the mini side. But I mean, everything I've ever seen you paint looks great. It does. You, you, you're good at the hobby, even if you. I mean, you st- you still paint stuff, so it's not like you're not painting stuff. You've yeah, I mean, more I, shit than I've painted in the last two years. So. Well, I, yeah, I painted all those Winter Americans for Snafu, like you know, and... Be pre pre COVID. No, I started I started pre COVID, and then COVID happened and. Uh, and I lost my, yeah, I totally lost my uh, <laughs> painting bug like everybody else. And so, yeah. no, I painted all those in like, I don't know, I think it was a three-week period before the, uh, was that Jason? No, no, uh, Pat's uh, Theater's War in August. Yeah, that's okay. right, yeah. I, I need a deadline to finish a so, paint so project. So do you find yourself motivated by painting, like you paint to get to a deadline for, yeah. you're like, I have a tournament, i got to get this stuff done before the tournament. Yep. Cool. That is yeah. absolutely it. I I need to have a project that I want to bring to a tournament in order for it to happen. So, okay. yep, fabulous. I understand that completely. <laughs> yeah. So, so we know you play bolt action. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've said that. Um, how long have you been playing bolt action? So, I picked up the first edition rule set in 2013, 2014, some one of those. Okay, when okay. we were all kind of floundering about uh, looking. For you know what to do after Warhammer Fantasy, yeah, because um, that was towards I think that was end times had started by that point, right? Something like that. Sounds um, right. Did twenty thirteen? Yeah, I mean that's end times, right? Something like that. Got to be close. Anyways, when they started killing that, it, we all started looking for other things to to do, or at least we the the the, the people who played at you know Phoenix at the time started looking for stuff, and I thought this looked pretty cool. Uh, and it was a smaller model count, so I picked up the rule set and played a few games, but I didn't really, it didn't become my main game system until 2016. Okay. Which is second edition. When second, when the rule book came out? Yeah, I don't know so. if it was right after it came out. I think it was, like, the rules, second edition came out, I thought, oh, that's cool, but I didn't, I kept, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't have people to play with because it didn't really take off. You know, I played a couple of games of first edition, it didn't really take off. With the people at the, at the shop, so yeah. So once I found you guys, then you know, I, it became my main system, and I ran into the club auto break just to basically because I was looking for where bolt action was played in the Twin Cities. So yeah, yeah. You must have hit like just as we started playing it too, because like we we bought our first. I think Jeff Pat and I, right? Were you with us, Jeff, when we bought our first bol- or bolt action armies at Adepticon? No, I was strongly encouraging of it, but I wasn't okay. at that Adepticon. Okay. Right, because Pat and I basically were like, well, we got we, we got the first edition rulebook with our armies. I was like, what are you doing? this is my first experience with uh, John Russell. Um, was he gave me? He's like, here, I'll give you a free rulebook with your army as a you know as the incentive to buy an army from him. And then second edition got announced like three months later. Yeah. So I got a free book that was worth nothing. I was like, thanks, buddy. That was awesome. No, it was, it was still really nice to have, but whatever. Well, now um, you wish you could, you know, bought a new army, and all of a sudden they had announced version 3, right? So, Well, and the worst part is I bought a German army. So he uh, gave me the first edition rule book, too. Or, like, the army book for mm-hmm. it, I think. I mean, I th- it, it was quite a ways away. Like, there was at least six months between when he gave me those books and when the next edition released. Mm-hmm. But... 
it was but somewhere I, in there. But I know, I know what you're talking about, like feeling like a little let down because we still had the like 40k and fantasy like mindset of like Games Workshop is going to throw a new book at you like every two seconds, and you got to buy the new book to like yeah, we keep were, up with the Joneses kind of thing. I was definitely cynical of yeah. that mindset, and I was a little bit concerned. And then, you know, I'd read enough about the second edition when it when it came out that I was not con- disconcerned because they're like, we're only releasing the German book because it's the only one that needs updating. Mm-hmm. I strongly disagree at this point, but um, that's a different story for a different podcast, apparently. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's uh, let's let's talk some more about bolt action then. Sure. Uh, so I know how many armies do you have currently? Because you have Americans, you just said. Yeah. Uh, I guess finished armies. I have uh, Germany. Uh, I've got a I've got a model set that lets me do Chinese, Japanese, Chinese slash Japanese slash Russian, um, and then all, wait all US. the same army. Uh, yeah. So I, I yeah my uh, my my cav lists. Uh, uh, I've I've got uh, what are they cobblestone or cobblestone castings? I can't yep, remember. I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, uh, they're a great company. They love their love their product. Uh, anyways, I I got um, a bunch of Chinese cavalry because I wanted to run Chinese because nobody was running Chinese at the time, and I thought, ooh, Chinese and cavalry like nobody's running cavalry right now. They got good. Nobody's voice. got you know Chinese like sure we'll do this, and sure. it was fine. And I'm like, oh, but then there's the and then the Empire in Flames book came out, like as as I was waiting for it to get shipped to me, and I'm like, ooh, cool, you know, Mongolian cavalry, and oh, they can shoot from horseback, like like rifles, <laughs> that sounds great. Um, and, you know, they'll work with the models that are already coming, so it became that, and then the, in that book also, they've got the Manchu, the Japanese Manchuko cavalry, and I'm like, stylistically, they work for this too, yay! So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I've got yeah. basically one army models worth of army that works for those three different factions with different supports obviously for different nations right you have to throw a russian tank in with your russians and you got to throw you know so on and so forth but um so uh, and then i've got the u.s the winter u.s finished um so those are those are the ones that are done and then uh on on deck uh or in the box still um, <laughs> I've got uh, some Desert British, uh, some Dutch KNIL, and uh, some oh, those, D-Day US. Those, those, those uh, Dutch, you won at uh, Snafu, correct? Yeah, the vehicles were, were really helpful because I had... So I had seen a conversion for uh, Japanese infantry to, like, you know, you do some chopping and you swap some heads and they, they look really good for a conversion to... Uh, KNIL in infantry. Okay. So I had had you know, like a bunch of boxes of Japanese infantry in the basement queued up to do the conversion, and I haven't done them yet. And they've been down there for I think three years now. Uh, so it was really nice that these uh, that I won those uh, models at uh, Snafu because now maybe they'll actually get going. <laughs> Encourage some uh, some progress, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, we may, well, maybe we'll have to start up a new tournament so you can. Uh, yeah, exactly. I need I need a tournament to build for. So, <laughs> to give you enough time to uh, to to get stuff painted, but <laughs> that's uh, all right. Um, okay. Well, maybe you've already answered this question too. Yeah. But 
when you're playing bolt action, what's your favorite style to play? Like, are you an aggressive player, a defensive player? Do you combine arms? Like, what, sure. what's your preferred? Um, I think I'm a better player if I play aggressively or, like, play, like, an, an aggressive maneuver game. Okay. Uh, or, like, an aggressive pressure, like, keep the pressure on kind of game. Uh, I think I'm a better player if I do that. Uh, I don't always succeed. <laughs> so... Okay. But, uh, yeah, I think aggressive, like, maneuvering to create pressure or to keep pressure on is kind of a, a, my play style. Or okay. the, the one well, I, I mean, for. it seems to be relatively successful. You've done pretty well in the tournaments that I've seen you play in. Um, right? Did you win? What, 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 what awards have you won in a snafu? Like, you've done a Recon Rumble. Did you win a Recon Rumble? Uh, so... Yeah, I, I, in 2019, I won Recon Rumble, and I won Operation Snafu. I won. Oh, yeah, you ran both of them. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I ran it that year. I was, yeah, it, yeah. it worked out. You're kind of crushing it that year, for sure, which, yeah. is, which is great. You had some tough competition. It was a good tournament overall. Yeah, it was a great tournament. I, yeah, I really every, liked every 2019. Awesome, so. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was a little disappointed this year when it's like, oh, there's no overall, like, winner it's just for the team but then I'm, I'm like in the back of my mind I'm like well you were the last overall winner okay that's fine all right but I mean well we we aren't set in stone in any of our when any of our awards we played it different this year because we decided to do something different um you're the first person that said, said that but that's maybe because you've won one of those awards uh but I don't know I remember hearing that there was a lot of surprise at first like not necessarily like it's bad like there's no yeah. there's no best overall like what the heck no like there wasn't any of that but I think there was some surprise, uh, some pleasant surprise, actually, um, when there wasn't going to be that kind of structure to 2021 snafu. And I think it really worked out. It's 2021 snafu was fantastic. So just so you're aware of the, like, I'll, I'll let you see how the sausage is made a little bit there. And oh. maybe the listeners will hear it too. So one of the reasons why we decided not to have an overall winner is because of how the matchups are set. Sure. That we didn't want to encourage people to pick, like, I'm a really strong player, and I know you're a brand new player. Like I'm going to club seals the whole weekend mm-hmm. because that's nobody wants to do that. Like we want to make sure all the games feel good and like you're having a good time, and that like you know it kind of enforces reinforces the team element, but it also just prevents people from like I'm picking I'm going to pick four games or five yeah four games mm-hmm. that I can crush everyone in. Mm-hmm. No, I think Which, you're absolutely right. I, I think that's a a really good reason or really good reasons to choose that but definitely I think it focuses everyone on playing for the team right uh, instead of like you know especially if there's a, a big de- you know like deficit or something between rounds like oh no like it's not going good for our team but you know and then in the back of your head, it might creep in. But yes, I'm doing okay individually. But I'm doing but okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It really it, it nips that out, and it's like crap. All right, how do we, you know, how do we, yeah. how do we uh, come back from this deficit now as well, a team? Okay, so it did what we wanted, but yeah. it had some side effects that we maybe could have communicated a little no, better. No, sure. no, no, it's fine. Okay, no, no, don't change it. Keep this. No, I don't. I don't. I, we're not changing it. Like we're not changing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that wasn't. That wasn't my apology. My apology is that we didn't communicate it well enough. <laughs> All right. Well, so you've. You've also played in Theaters of War. You've, yep. you've had some... Yeah, I was like, uh, third in Theaters of War. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, our meta, because I guess it's our meta, because we're mm-hmm. in the same meta. Um, obviously, you're familiar with meta. You've played lots of games. You've been playing 45K, so you know what, you, you mm-hmm. know what meta is. I don't know if I can define our meta. Yeah. Um, I. So after listening to the other two of these episodes that are out so far 
Um, I think there is a regional meta here. Um, I think the regional meta, at least as far as list build, I don't know if there's a like a style is you know is like play style meta, but there's definitely a list building meta in the upper Midwest that's centered around uh, like the all comers quote unquote well rounded generic reinforced platoon that can handle you know that can handle. I don't know, anything that's thrown at it kind of thing. It doesn't have one trick to win. It kind of, you know, if one thing fails, other stuff can make up for it. I think that's... Kind of like redundancy and support to some... Yeah. I I would, I mean, I actually think I agree. Um, I think I know where some of that comes from. Uh, There's definitely a couple high-level players that push that that model. Rightfully so. Um, John, the first player that we played, that's his that's his approach in general too, mm-hmm. is to have a is to have an all comers list, um, and I think that's kind of branched out from his play. Well, and you, I, I think you guys definitely preach it too on the podcast. And I don't say preach it like pejoratively or anything well, we, like that. Well, we but preach it for other reasons because yeah. so we can try and break the meta. <laughs> I mean, that's the cold goal, right? Like so, so. <laughs> So when we talk about that, so, I mean, obviously most of the time we're playing gen- generic reinforced platoon. There aren't mm-hmm. very many times where we play theaters, though, I mean, theaters of war was theaters, right? We can yep. play theaters there. And other than though, that, I think it's Bug Eater, right? That's the only other one I can think of anyways. So. Yeah, I think those are the two big ones that allow theaters, and we'll see if, like, what continues with that. I mean, obviously if Pat does theaters of war again, I'm sure he'll allow theaters. He better do it again because I made that stupid graphic. So he's gonna have to use it no, that was three a, times for me to get his money's worth. No, that was a great uh, that was a great tournament. He should yeah. run that again. If he doesn't, I'm gonna be ma- you know I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, obviously, like one day tournaments are they're a pain in the butt to run. I'm I'm sure Pat. I'm well. I know Pat felt it because he complained about it a little bit. Yeah, it was but, from like you have to set up and tear down in one day, and it's just it's an exhausting day for sure. Um, sure, but so. Uh, where was I going with that? So when you're playing in a meta, obviously you can mm-hmm. recognize that we have a meta. Yeah. Do you? I mean, I can already answer this question too. But do you change? Do you try and change it or push it? Yeah. So I, I, I build assuming that I'm going to play against the meta, um, yeah. and then I try to bring something that's just a little unexpected, like like Cav, uh, like Cav, or like in Theaters of War, a bunch of airplanes. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that list. Oh, man. Let's talk about this list for a minute. Sure. So, American List? Yeah, it was an American List, uh, Operation Grenade, double double platoon. So, yep. the Operation so Grenade platoons. lets you take two air observers. And Jesus. now, I think, in, the D, in one of the D-Day books, I think you can do the same thing. Um, they've got a theater in one of the... You, for the U.S. and one of the D-Day books that you can okay. do the same thing. But uh, anyways, uh, Operation Grenade, um, yeah, two platoons, two air observers per platoon, so that's eight airstrikes, you know, on the table. Only four are present at the time, but I actually think that's a good thing as opposed to having all eight out at once. Um, yeah, because all eight will land on you for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, don't worry. With only having half of them out there at a time, they land on you too. Yeah, I think I think with that list, you just have to accept that you're like shit's gonna land on me. I'm just gonna have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I felt really different about it if because I had so many of so many airstrikes. Yeah, if one comes back on you, like that's really shitty. Uh, if you only have one air observer, um, yeah. I mean it's shitty because it comes back on you, right? And it didn't. 
usually it comes back on you and, and gets like the best possible result for your opponent, right? <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, and, but you also feel bad because oh, I you know even with Americans where you've got you know two shots with your one ear observer, it's like oh I've he's seventy five points. I've just you know there's thirty five points that hurt me instead of you know what have you um, helping? Yeah, it's not. So you're, you're, you're playing law of averages is essentially what you're doing here. Yeah, and you feel a little bit better about it. It's like, oh, well, that, yeah. that one didn't work, but I've got seven more. It's okay. Like, <laughs> it's such an insane amount of airstrikes <laughs> that my favorite part is that, that, that nobody knows how airstrikes work. So uh, <laughs> it's like you're, you're really training them in after that game. Well, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure we've talked about your list before in one of our other podcasts because I think we've obviously like that caught a lot of attention because it was Cause, amazing because it's hilarious and amazing well no yeah. one brings you know no one brings an aircraft stuff because i mean like one one uh what's the russian quad maxim oh the quad, yeah, maximum. quad maximum is yeah that hurts whatever that yeah i mean that thing you know that's it, swatting your um it's swatting your uh airstrike it's like 80 percent of the time or something like that yeah, yeah so insane amount of time so I mean the Soviets have that covered, but I don't think anyone else particularly brings a lot. Like I guess, I guess like trucks with MMGs would be have flak. Like yeah, an eighty-eight. An eighty-eight has flak. Will that scare it off quick, or does that? Actually eight, oh yeah, eighty-eight will do some work. Um, yeah. it's uh, it's range. That that's the thing is a lot. If if you've got like a recce jeep, yep. right with a you know with a pinnel MMG on it, like. You've only got a 36-inch range, so if that recce jeep is not thinking about airstrikes, right? Maybe you, you know, maybe you didn't bring eight, right? Because even if you brought eight, like it's probably not thinking about airstrikes. The your opponent's probably like, well, crap, you know, they're, they're not thinking what you know what flak do I have, and I'm going to center that in my you know in my line so that I have the biggest umbrella possible. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking that oh shit, here's eight airstrikes. They're focused on <laughs> your number instead of. What kind of what can I do to mitigate that? Sure. So a little, a little psychological warfare, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and they're not used. To, they're well, and they're also they're not used to having to think about what does my anti-air bubble look like, right? And how do I maximize and how do I play around that? And so that you get the like decision paralysis or you know going yeah. on. Some of that. Well, I mean, it still goes back to most people don't know the rules of airstrikes, so they right. maybe don't even remember that they can shoot off. And you des- you desperately hope you don't play the German player with a flak verling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't. Yeah, <laughs> hope you don't get that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. So, uh, I will give you some credit because I think you have you have moved our meta maybe for a, a, a little bit. Um. I saw more horses this year mm. at SNAF, at Recon Rumble, at least. Yes, than Marty. I've ever seen. Yes, Monty. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And, yeah, 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 and then you had a Japanese player brought some, too, and a yep. Polish, Polish Lancer army. Yeah, we saw a Lancer list yeah, as well. We did. Yep. So, I mean, we saw we saw more horses. I think, I mean, that format really benefits horses, too. But, yeah, um, yeah no, just seeing more, more horses than we were ever seeing before. Because I think the Lancers played in the main tournament, too, did they not? Uh, yeah, Lancers yeah. played in the main tournament. Um I don't know. I don't think the Japanese player played in um, Recon Rumble. I could be yeah, wrong. I think, he, I think he played in Kings of War, actually, okay. if I remember correct. He moved over to a different system on Saturday, or Friday, Saturday and Sunday, excuse me. But, um, no, I mean, well done in helping shift the meta a little bit, moving it, to, moving it so people are like, oh, yeah, I, I see the value of... I mean, I think you played Monty last year, so I think he saw the value of your cavalry 
Well, yeah, and Monty likes to play cavalry in other systems, too, and uh, so I, I think he wanted to try it, and he had painted up two squads, and I said, you should paint more. You should bring more horses. The answer to, to <laughs> aren't these horses cool is, yes, they are cool. Bring more of them. They work better when there's more. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's usually the case with Soviets in general, right? Is more of them is better? <laughs> that's usually how that works. I mean, I'm trying to talk them into build, you know, building and painting a fourth and fifth you know, cavalry. Long term? Oh, Long yeah. Long term, sure. So. I mean, he's never going to get off the Soviets, so. Yeah. Uh, right? He's always going to paint Soviets for some reason. I thought he tried. He, he sold his Soviet army. Not that we're talking about Monty, but he sold his Soviet army, so he would work on something new, yep. and then went, oh, shit, i got to paint an army for Snafu. I'm painting Soviets. Soviets. Yeah, yeah but they're beautiful. Those Cossacks are absolutely beautiful. They really yeah, are. they really were. Um, all right. So we, we, we know our meta. We know what we play here, typically. Do you prefer theaters or generic Reinforced Platoon? Um, you got four Air Observers. At this point, I prefer generic Reinforced Platoon, I think. You know, I think in, like, 2017, I was like, oh, theaters are pretty cool, but we just keep getting more and more theater books with crazier and crazier um, theater lists. So, I don't know, some of the, like, some of the, whatever, what are they, the last D-Day book, the one where you can have three, like, you can have as the U.S., you can have three Shermans, like, in, <laughs> in one list, it's like, oh, like and it's not a tank war list. It's like right. holy cow! Like that. You have no points left over, but that's yeah. I mean that's yeah. Because right, I mean, what's a normal Sherman like? You can buy a one hundred inch. I mean, you can buy a hundred and seventy five point Sherman. I think that's right. They're one hundred and seventy five. They're cheap. Yeah, and that's regular. I mean, it, you know, two inch template. I mean, just shove it down your opponent's throat and shoot two inch templates at them. You've got three of them. You've got redundancy. You don't have to worry about. Oh no! Oh, like nice. the. And does your opponent have enough anti-tank to deal with three, you know, three Shermans? Most people don't. Yeah, very rarely. Yeah. I mean, uh, so your your eighth army that you have on the shelf somewhere that, you know, maybe we'll see light of day sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many naval observers are in there? Uh, none, because <laughs> I picked those I picked those models up when, I don't have a list. I haven't even, I haven't uh, done a list for them. Okay. But uh, no, I picked those models up when uh, what was that? The Western Western Deserts uh, Theater Campaign book came out. Um, yeah. that, it's a re- that really early one. Yep. Um, but it, when the Eighth Army models came out, essentially. Yeah, it was right before that. There, mine are actually Perry's. Um, oh, they're not Warlords. Okay. They're Perry's because um, okay. uh, Warlord hadn't come out there too. Yeah. So, kind of kind of different flavor, but different. Like, yeah, I remember seeing Perry ones and liking them too. Cool. Yeah, right. scale's a little different, but they're they're really nice little sculpts. You know, as long as your whole army's them, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I have played against them, and I'm like, it kind of bothered me at first, but it, I'm like, I got over it real quick because they, they looked good. So, I don't know, because like, yeah, because bolt action models are much chunkier. Quite kind of, I don't know. The Perry models, every Perry model I've ever seen has been beautiful. So I can't can't complain about them too much. Um, let's let's talk about when you're when you're getting ready for tournaments. Let's talk sure. about how you like generally approach competitive play. Like, are you pretty chill? You seem pretty chill. Like, you, I don't think you 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 probably walk up to a table pretty confident, but I don't think you're. Yeah, you're, you probably don't seem very worried. I mean, uh, my thought 
for competitive play or any event really because I mean any event is competitive even when it's you know something like Operation Snafu like it's competitive for the team right um, hey, why are you saying our, our event's not competitive? No, no, I, I'm saying it's a. I'm saying there. Some people might differentiate between like Swiss matched, you know, competitive play and like you know, themed, themed play or like themed events. Sure. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think that's ultimately the goal, right? Uh, but no matter what kind of event I'm playing, I guess for me, an event is the best way to get three games done in a day or a weekend. Um, sure. Because I really, I, I, back when I was playing 40K, I used to play, you know, three games a week kind of thing. It was like Thursday Damn. night, you know, go down to the store, you're going to get three games in. Like, that was the goal. In, in a night? You would get three games in in a night? Yeah. I mean, I would spend a lot of, a long time there. <laughs> right. But you, you see, like, show up at four and leave at 10 and you get three games in? Yeah. Damn. Like that's impressive. Like mm-hmm. that's on any level, that's like that's hella training right there for any tournament. Because, damn, I'm tired. I'm tired of t- being a TO, not a, let alone not playing the game. Yeah, I mean that's the. I don't know that that's that's how you get good is reps, right? And yes, that's but, a lot of reps. Um, I don't know, and I wasn't that good of a 40k player, so. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Like I said, for me, it's the best way to get three games in a, a day or a weekend and, you know, stand across the table from someone and roll some dice. So I'm pretty laid back because I'm not there to win the event necessarily. I'm there to play the game and be in community with people. So, so I mean, the, so the reality is it sounds like you approach every game every game the same way. You're like, I'm going to be competitive in a game, but it's not necessarily, yeah. like you said, winning a tournament yep but you have done so so like um so ian when you're when you're getting ready for a tournament how what what do you do to prepare i imagine you do more than i do uh you'd you'd be surprised actually (laughs) i (laughs) i probably don't do as much as uh a successful person or a more successful person would do uh no uh the first thing i do if um if they send it out beforehand is read the tournament pack and uh, you know, you're welcome, Pat. Uh, yeah, you're, you're read the, yeah. <laughs> dream right now. Yeah, read the tournament pack. Read the tournament pack. Read the tournament pack. Um, but I do that, uh, and then I read the latest FAQ because I'm terrible about downloading or finding the latest FAQ. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, um, by the way, it's horribly hard to find. Well, and I, I I don't like that I have to like add it to my cart in Warlord's yeah. thing and then go through the checkout process, even though it's free. Like, it's just an annoying hiccup. Like, why can't I just download it? Right, especially when you search for Bolt Action FAQ, it brings you to like a resource page that has like a 2019 FAQ yeah. on it. I'm like, this. No wonder nobody can find this stuff. Yep, unfortunately. But yeah, so I, I do those two things, and then I also try and reread the whole rule book again because uh, I have to read something a bunch of times before it like soaks in. And you know, I, at least for me, uh, bolt action is a perishable skill, <laughs> and especially the rules. So um, the intention is to reread the the rule book again after reading the FAQ, and then. hoping that that helps i don't know um (laughs) hoping it helps yeah but no uh reading the tournament pack for me is really helpful um because if i know what scenarios i'm gonna play like if they tell you 
because, uh, for instance, you guys with Snafu really like to, you know, end Recon Rumble and all your stuff. You like to, you know, tweak the ter- or tweak the the scenarios. They're not straight out of the book scenarios. Um, right. yep. And I appreciate that. It's because I think you guys make good tweaks um, and they make for better scenarios. Well, but you. Uh, you know, if if I haven't read the tournament pack, like I don't know if there's a change to like the basic, you know, meeting engagement or whatever. Right. You know, maybe they, you know, maybe there's some shenanigan that I could have been thinking about for a week or whatever. So, sure. uh, read the tournament pack. It's it's gold. I also just am a more confident player. I find on the day if I kind of know what's at least scenario wise what's going to show up. Because then you sure. can sit down. You don't have to sit there and like speed read the thing. Like okay, and then like forget <laughs> halfway mm-hmm. through. Like oh wait, what was the secondary objectives that were available, or you know whatever. So yeah, I find that one of the big things that people change between scenarios, and this is becoming more consistent as of late. But like, what can hold and, and claim objectives? Yes. Oh that, yeah, that was one that always gets me. Like you have to make sure you understand how that particular tournament is doing it. Mm-hmm. So if you've read yeah. the packet, obviously you get to the, oh, that's how they're doing it this time. Okay, good to know. Well, and you guys changed that this year for Operation Snafu because in 19, small units couldn't hold or couldn't take things or couldn't hold objectives. And this year, at least they could. Or for Recon Rumble, I think they could. I don't know. I don't remember oh. now. It's been, it's been since November. I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was different, though. I was like, wait, last time they couldn't. And I was, you know, trying to read through the, the digital tournament pack uh hmm, pat print print the tournament pack pat <laughs> print it yeah uh, please so anyways did he, um, did he not print recon rumble uh he didn't print recon rumble and he didn't print operation snafu like there was the recon rumble he had each you know each game like there was Scenario. one per per table which is nice but like there wasn't the tournament pack like oh, had, you know like the printed tournament pack there like you check in and you get the tournament pack and i you know sure. i get it like Printing out, I don't know what do you guys have. Like, there, did we have thirty-six people? Thirty-four, I think. For Recon Rumble, which I mean, it does, that doesn't that adds up to us. But yeah. uh, you yeah. know, we please print it. <laughs> we have, we I would say we have a budget. I'm sorry we didn't print it this year. I, I'm no. usually the print guy, so I printed all the other stuff. But um, no, yeah, I mean not figuring out how to to. Just charge me more. <laughs> That's fine. I'll, I'll I'll pay for it. Seriously, we don't need more. Just just don't just don't like you know just don't say oh well you should have printed it yourself at home because I'm an idiot who doesn't have a printer at home you know. I'm, Interesting. I just bought one. It was kind of life changing. Not gonna lie. It's like you can print stuff all of a sudden. It was amazing. Oh, um, exactly. We'll just we'll just add a, we'll just add a second. <laughs> you, you, you guys live in a weird world of not having paperwork at home. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I used yeah, to. I'm not, I used I'm to not do, a freaking lawyer, so yeah, yeah. I've got a laser printer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I used Actually, to print things at work, and my wife used to print things at work. And well, don't I don't tell anyone where you worked. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't work. You know, I don't no, work afraid, at work yeah. anymore. And then now my <laughs> wife doesn't go into the office because they're remote. Right. So it's like, right. shit, no printing happens. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, when your kids get older, that was the, the biggest life changer. Was like, I got I got a laser printer too, Jeff, because I just need black and white prints. Yep. And uh, yeah. my kids come in every day and find make me print out coloring sheets for them for the day. It's oh, obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should not have ever taught them how to do that. No. <laughs> and now it never ends. But I'm like, unfortunately, it doesn't cost me anything to do. So sure, let's do it. Yeah. Other than time, I suppose. Just time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry that we didn't print the packet for no, it. No, no, no. It's fine. I, this, that's, it, that's poor That's poor TO etiquette, in my opinion. Yeah, because you should definitely have all of that stuff in front of you, right? Because if we're telling you to claim objectives, 
Yeah. And then we don't tell you how to claim objectives. Well, I mean, you did. You emailed it out. And, you know, if, right. uh, I'm sure Pat's screaming at the recording, I don't know, at the screen if, if he's the one editing this or whatever. Like, I sent it out, you know, weeks and weeks in advance. And he did. And we had it all, and I read it. But, you know, it still would have been nice to have a, the paper copy on yeah. the day. Right, because you still get 5,000 emails between when you got it and when the tournament is. and yeah. you, you may have read it when it came out, but, yeah, the day of, it's nice to have at least... You don't have to remember. You don't have to look at your phone, or you don't have to write yeah. and, like remember it from memory. You have it in front of you. That's, that's kind of an important thing. Yeah, because so. even if you have like a tablet or like an Apple iPhone five million size, whatever the you know the big one is, <laughs> like <laughs> that's still like staring at the small thing. You know, I don't know. Maybe yeah. No, like, I, I agree hundred percent. Yeah, it's but. better off getting getting the actual stuff. So. But not just for you guys. Like anyone, like print your packets. I don't know. Please. Yes. No. Yeah. But. Makes makes sense. And, and quite honestly, they're not that big typically, and you have to print the scenarios anyway, so it's really not that big of a deal to just mm-hmm. print the packet. It's an extra two pages of paper, it's, which you know, a killing tree sucks, but recycle well, we can, when you're we done. can re- recycle paper. Yeah, and back and recycle. So, you know. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And then I think the last thing I do to try and prepare for a tournament is get as many games in as possible, which you know hasn't always been possible these last couple of years, but uh, you know you try. Mm-hmm. Sure, because reps reps help, especially with the list you know that you've written for the for the tournament you're going to go to, right? Because it's very unlikely that you're bringing the same list to you know multiple tournaments throughout a season, right, or a year. So sure, like mm-hmm. so as many reps with whatever the current list is is always helpful to figure out, like and just to get that kind of like memory or that muscle, you know, it's not muscle memory, but you know. The reps in, so. right? Totally, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so if we want to step back, well, yeah. so obviously you just talked about making a list. So let's let's talk about how you create your lists. Um, what's kind of your basic approach to to list design? Sure, if you uh, have one. No, I I, I I do. I guess I have pace, I have basic principles that I try and there that seem to show up with my lists. Uh, I try and make units in buddy teams, if that makes sense, like line units, like, you know, infantry squads and stuff like that. Like, I try and buy them in buddy teams. So, like, um, they're supporting one another. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, I very rarely have only three, you know, infantry squads in a list. It's always four or five. And I know five, obviously, is an odd number, so you don't have the support, but... At least you've got those, you know, those two that are kind of mutually supporting each other, and that's at least I find that's very helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, t- I try and build in buddy teams, and it's really cool if, or sorry, I find I find it really helpful if you're doing um, like multiple multiple platoons for a tournament, like you're just building redundancy then, right? Not just with your infantry teams, but with you know mortars and snipers. You know, which seem I don't know, seem to be the auto include for a lot of people. Like you know, double mortar, double double sniper. If you're, you know, in a, a if you're making a list for a double platoon event, sort of thing. Sure. Um, so yeah, I try and build in buddy teams. I try for if it's a thousand points, I try for a ten dice minimum. And if it's under a thousand points, I'll still try and get ten dice. But you know. Uh, and then more obviously uh, as uh, points and however the list shakes out allows for. But um, okay, uh, I I I emphasize bodies over armor, so okay. I will have more 
larger squads uh, over like big expensive armored things. Just yeah. for me, mm-hmm. it, it's I don't know. It's it's an infantry game, and frankly, like the infantry is really good. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter who you're playing. Like the infantry is good. The armor is expensive and doesn't I, I do like as much. As... I'm trying to think of all the lists you've played. I'm like I'm trying to think if you've ever had any. So, yeah, like you've never had much armor, if any armor. Yeah, uh, I think my Americans are the most armor, or are the armor heavy ones, right? With that, uh, mm-hmm. the Howitzer Sherman, right? The vet okay. Howitzer Sherman driving up in your face and shooting you with three inch templates. <laughs> um, no, like uh, I've, I've played Germans, and you know, at the time, I, it was my first army, and I was doing early war Germans before, like. I don't know, back when people seemed to care about like early war and late war, and now no one cares because it's just, oh, we're playing it as a competitive game now. Right. Um, we're not playing in a basement. Uh, but even then, well, I, it was... Well, we are actually playing in a basement. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, even then, like, the, you know, the tiny, the Panzer II double machine gun, you know, tank for the, for the Germans, I'm like, this is great. Like, why would I spend a gajillion points on on a Panther, like, not only, you know, this just works. Like, it seems to be, like, if I'm playing against other infantry, like, I want to shove 12 dice down somebody's throat. I don't know. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, totally makes sense. And then yeah. I think the last thing for my basic approach is uh, I emphasize full squads when possible. Okay. Okay. Um, or large squads and hopefully full squads. Because uh, the re-roll is nice and all that, but... Uh, I don't know, bodies in survive, equal survivability, at least in this game. And I, I don't know, uh, I also don't run a lot of vets, so okay. you need I was, bodies. I was going to ask <laughs> if you're like, if you're for survivability, if you brought vets or not. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I almost always bring regulars. I'm a, I'm a regular guy and I bring regular, <laughs> regular bros to the table. <laughs> is, is that primarily because you like the, the extra bodies you'd, you'd rather have? 10, 10 regular versus seven veteran. Yeah, I think the the body redundancy is better than okay. the veteran than paying for the veteran. Although I know the math doesn't always work that or work that way in depending on your build, but uh, it it does give you more dice, so mm-hmm. or more dice on the offense. And uh, sure, you know, I don't know. I I'm for I'm that's the way I think of it and the way I like to play it. So. Yeah. Okay, that that works yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. I never tell me the odds because I have no idea which way is better. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I know. I think uh, so. Uh, you guys have talked about it before, or one of your previous guests on this uh, players segment have talked. To, you know, talked about the math or have mentioned the math on regulars versus veterans, and I don't know. Okay, I'll have, to, I'll have to go back and listen to the podcast. I don't know. Maybe I'm just remembering nothing, but you know. That that jumps to mind that you guys have talked about it. Somehow. Someone somewhere has most certainly talked about regular versus veteran in bolt action. I'm sure. <laughs> if we didn't, someone else has. I'm sure. Well, I mean, if you yeah. haven't yet, then you know, do that for an episode. I mean, there, or a episode. segment for an episode. Three three hours of us talking math. That sounds. People would love that. Some people would love that. I would. I as one of the podcasters would fall asleep. So I don't know. I feel like um, you could do that segment in like ten minutes, though. Like, all right, people who don't like math, like, you know, fast forward 10 minutes ago. Oh, Ian, how? (laughs) We've never done anything in 10 minutes. No, no. It's it's 30 seconds or five hours for us. Right. It's A three-minute drive takes us three hours. Exactly. um, 
yeah, that's that. Yeah, but whatever. Um, okay, <laughs> so you've talked dice. You've talked your uh, vehicle consideration, which is basically none. If you do, you take any transports. Uh, do you take? Do you like transports at all? Uh, I do like transports. Um, okay. Armored transports oh, uh, are not good in this game. Oh, unless you're playing Recon Rumble, in which <laughs> case, be the first half. Not gonna yeah. lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah. If you're playing Recon in, in Recon Rumble, right? Uh, armored. Or armored transports work, or are at least worth their points, or okay. close to worth their points. That you know, you, you don't just auto not take them. But uh, sure. yeah, no, there's. I think there is a spot in the list for a transport, um, especially if you want to do, I don't know, outflanking stuff, or you want to just have the fast the fast unit or something like that. Uh, I think there's try and get to the objective first or whatever. You know, I actually don't think I would use them to get to an ob- to get okay. to the objective first. I think I would rather use them to blast past the objective to push or to like be the roadblock and to put pressure on the enemy. Sure, make the speed bump. But yeah, but yeah, right. the essentially the to be the fast like you know get to where they need to go in a timely manner thing. Like there's there's yeah. room for that in your in your build and how you play. So. Yep. Cool. So yeah, no transports. They have their place. <laughs> okay. Tanks also have their place. I just, I just don't buy big ones. <laughs> yeah, the, you, you spend all your points on dudes, and you don't have room for a tank at that point. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, if it, if I can get two squads of dudes for a, the cost of a tank, like yeah, yeah, yep. It's unfortunate. The yeah. reality is like it's always more. It's more economical to buy the, the the dudes, not the tank. Right, but I, also then you get to sit around and think like, oh, but if I'm you know doing a double platoon thing, like, oh yeah, then I've got room to add those guys. But then it's like, well, shit, I'm gonna face that guy who's gonna bring like you know two not cheap tanks, but two like budget tanks, and now I've got to deal with two budget tanks. Great. So <laughs> I don't. It's there's balance there. Sure, <laughs> for there's room yeah. for balance. Well, you definitely know that when you're going into it, too. Like, oh, there's multiple platoons. There's going to be a chance I'm going to see two two tanks of some sort, mm-hmm. some kind of armor. Right. Because that's always going to end up happening. when Whenever you open up multiple platoons, you always see more stuff, right? Like, you always see more weird skew list type stuff. Well, now, you know, if you bring, if you're if the tournament allows you to bring theater selector stuff, you're going to see multiple armor now, too. Like, Yeah, just, even weirder. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, even weirder uh, skews, for yeah. sure. All right, Anyways. let's. This, this is the. I will mean. I don't know if this is even controversial. I, I think everyone's is kind of aligned, but uh, let's let's go through your army tiers. Uh, <laughs> like what, where, because where, you know this is always this is what everybody wants to know is what you think about you know where do you think armies land? Yeah, and, and uh, that's you know often talked about. Sure. Let's um, talk about your top tier. Yeah. So I don't know why you guys called it S tier. Like that, I had to ask Pat about that. Like, what's that stand for? What do you guys mean? Anyways, uh, but yeah, top tier. Uh, I think. It's Soviets, uh, British, Japanese, and U.S. question mark. I mean, I guess I'm, those are the, you know, they're the main four, and I think okay. they're the top four, right? And that's not to say they're all completely equal, but they are all competitive with each other all the, all the time, for the most part. Okay. okay. I, I think so, anyways. I don't know. Someone, someone's going to, you know, say I'm wrong and they're probably right. <laughs> I mean, but 
that's I mean that's the beauty of it is right you 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 play Americans so you feel like Americans can compete at that level because I I would put I personally would put them probably one tier lower and I actually probably would put the Brits one tier lower but well but then again the Brits are stupid bonkers well, like I was gonna say like the Soviets deals. have the giant toolbox right like yep. they are the super Swiss Army knife they're the giant yep. toolbox the British get all the cool rules and yep. all of the love from warlords so you know that the, and they're a top tier so it's because of that. Because there's yeah, always whatever new book comes out, you know, there's going to be some sweet shit that like polishes <laughs> the fucking British, and you know, I don't know, the Italians are going to get shit on, or everyone else is going to get shit on. But uh, that checks out, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. But, so I, I think they have to be a top tier because of the constant, unending love they get from Warlord. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, you're back, you're back, you're you're in talking my language now. All right, yeah. they're they're top tier for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Japanese, their national rules are just so good, and yeah. all of everything in their list is so cheap. I mean, it's so reasonably priced. Yeah. So, and, the, and there's just a synergy with price and national rules with them. And so, yeah. I, at least to me, like that, those things make them competitive with, you know, the Soviets and the British. So, uh, and then the U.S. Like I said, it's it's kind of a U.S. question mark, right? Yeah. Because I think move and shoot is the best, best thing in the game. It's the best <laughs> national rule in the game, and I'm sure someone's going to say army wide fanatic, you know, for points wise that you gain from it and all that stuff is better. And yes, that's true, but f- like objectively, that's true. But from a, I don't know, like. There's a lot of room to screw up with the U.S. and just fix it by moving and sh- you know moving every <laughs> turn and shooting people. Yep. Like I don't know. It's almost like one of those like, did I not move this unit this turn? I screwed up. Like I failed. Like they <laughs> if they didn't move and they didn't put a pin on something, like it's my fault. So, yep. anyways, I I it's a question mark, right? They're like they're like. I don't know, trying to do a pull-up to get on to the, you know, get up to the top <laughs> tier. So. so, like, teetering on the edge. Yeah. St- either at the bottom or the top, sure. Okay, so what do you think? consider, like, your, your second tier? Second like, tier uh, is, B-tier. yeah, so second tier is solidly, you know, the United States. Uh, right, if they're not in the top tier, they're for sure in the top of the second tier. Sure. Um, then you have, at least in my mind, partisans and Germany. Okay. Um mm-hmm. I think you have partisans because they're not often encountered, and not often encountering something uh, makes your opponent kind of scratch their head and hesitate and not really, I don't know, like it gives you space to screw up twice, I think. Sure, yeah. Um, And frankly, like bombs are great. Uh, (laughs) I think they're, you know... As far when you look at all the other armies that are you know going to be further on down, or that are left in the thing, they they have access to all all of the toys that they have, and I'm not not talking about vehicles and stuff like that, but I'm talking about like the basic meat and potatoes that are going to fill out the army, right? They have their their infantry options are effectively the same infantry options you get uh, from everyone else, but they just kind of do it a little better because of partisan bombs and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
And they're uh, they've got their their move right, their free move through cover in the first turn, or whatever it is. Um, is that yeah. thing? Yeah. Right. Do they have Do they have that one? Uh, totally certain units get that one. <clears throat> I don't remember. Now you can make me find my partisans. But I don't know, John. Yeah. Your, your guys, John Stens talked about it, um, uh, and I and so I, I he talked about a free move, and it could have been just with a certain unit. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Listen to you know what? Stop listening to to this episode with <laughs> partisans. Just put a pin in it and go back and listen to John talk about partisans because he, he, he yeah. Anyways, I think they're I think they're an A tier. Uh, I like making lists for them. They're fun. Um, yeah, uh, I definitely like making lists with them. I have not made mm-hmm. one like yeah. I haven't actually made a list yet. Like or like made models for it yet. But lots of fun stuff in there for sure. Uh, and then I think Germany is an A tier again, just because they don't get love from Warlord, but they definitely get attention. They get constant, rather constant attention. Mm-hmm. Or at least they have, you know, over the course of the game, right? Yeah, um, they're not. Sure. They're never ignored. They haven't been ignored for longer than a few games, right? They maybe, you know, maybe when they're putting books out for like the Pacific Theater and stuff like that. Obviously, there's not new German units or blah 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 blah, but. Um, yeah. Whenever there's a European or North Af- African, you know, theater book, like there's a new unit, it's probably or there are new units, plural, and at least one of them is good. So I don't know. Sure, it's that constant attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd argue like things like Western Desert, though. While they put new units in them, none of them are. You can't put them in a normal platoon, right? If, yeah. If the British I mean, had gotten the dual machine gun thing, they would have. Absolutely made a generic reinforced platoon, in my opinion. But oh yeah, Germany no, you're get. absolutely right, hundred <laughs> percent. Unfortunately, yeah. like it's, I mean, that's a cynic in me, but it's just like the idea, like the Germans didn't get the cool shit. Well, I, I quite honestly, thank God because that would have been awful. Everyone would have had a, five units of those every time. But, I think it's but. a little bit of a failure and oversight on Warlord's part because you know because you guys have talked about how they like farm out who's writing the, the theater book, right? Like, they kind of yeah, give sure. him carte blanche, and they, you know, then they write the book, and they send it back to him, and they do do an edit and stuff like that, but it doesn't feel like they do a competitive edit when it comes to, like, the new units they've, you know, the their author has created, if that makes right. sense. No, totally. So, like, because they, they could go back and and just say, like, give you a list of, this is what's in the generic reinforced platoon from everything we've released like if you have that book congratulations there you go right yep. but anyways uh yeah no i agree if if uh, yeah if the british would have gotten two medium machine or two lmgs in a squad it would be a generic reinforcement too thing <laughs> unfortunately but thankfully they haven't so yeah. we're, we're not in their point right okay. now so thankfully uh, yeah. And then you just consider everything else underneath that. Tier, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, B tier is everything else, and then C tier is Italy and Norway. <laughs> and poor Italy. Yeah, poor, poor Italy. Italy uh, you know, Norway is obviously above Italy. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Just because the national roles. characteristics don't shit on them. But yep. uh, yeah, so <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but I, I want to disagree, but it hurts because you're correct. Yeah. I mean. I mean, I, Italy only, gets, they have really cool units, and they've got yeah. really cool models, even before yeah. the new models. Like, they're cool. Like, you just, you want to put them together, paint them, and push them around the table. But, like, God, they really make it hard to want to spend the money. Right. Yeah. 
where do you put uh, the Lancers, the Polish Lancers? So, the Polish Lancers are one unit from one army. And so for me, in a tier list, one unit doesn't make an army. Um, Fair. Polish Lancers are great and for what they do. And but they're not my favorite cavalry unit, which okay. is controversial. And there are many people who will say or who will scream and say you're an idiot. Uh, but nope, um, I really like the flexibility of of carbines. Uh, I think there's a ton of value in the flexibility of carbines, and if you lancers are good. They're a good unit. I'm not going to say they're not. I just don't think that they are the best when you're taking them. They when you're taking them to a tournament when they have to do when they have to do. God knows what you're going to ask of them. Like if it's a you know if you're taking them to a black box of who knows what you're going to come up against. Like mm-hmm. they, I would rather take carbines. But that's just okay. No, so. I. But no, they're they are a fantastic sense. unit, and I think Poland is in the B tier because one unit does not make an army. Mm-hmm. Fair, it checks out. Yeah, cool. Um, well, I mean, yours is probably the most controversial answer to that question of all of them. Quite honestly, I think. <laughs> Good for you. Like, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I think, I think there's good, there's there's value in varying opinions. Yeah. So it's it's good to have that, and I think, I don't think anything's seriously outlier compared to anyone else. I'd have to go back and check my notes, if I had notes. Um, but all right. So well, let's, I, uh, say, I think Ian and I, I, I actually very much agree with Ian's assessment of that. I will, I will trust your judgment on both of those things. Well, I mean, they have to start. Like they have to start on the board. Like you can't outflank with them, sure. because they're going to come on for the turn. They're going to come on the turn. They come on, and then they're going to sit there for another turn. Right. So if you have to, yeah. so you're just sitting there holding your dick with this really expensive unit. If you're if you only have two of them, right? Because you're mm-hmm. doing buddy teams, right? Yeah. Um, if you only have two of them, then that's a bunch of points in a thing that you're trying to out. It, you would only use them as an outflanking or a an aggressive push with. So then they have to be on the board. So you've immediately taken out flexibility because if yeah, they're sure. if they've got carbines, you can outflank and you can come on and you can advance and you know shoot somebody at point blank range, you know right. who straight Do a little too productive. close. Yeah, yeah, a little more productive. So, you, I mean, they they hit like a ton of bricks for sure. But I yeah, I, I don't disagree with you 100. percent I think I think what makes them interesting is they might they might break meta a little bit. So they're kind of one of those. There may be a rock list, which doesn't make them a top tier list for sure like because they'll run into things they can't deal with oh i i think a, a skill i mean well i think you guys have said this or somebody said this before on this series uh like a skilled player can take in any army and move it up and down this list um, yeah for sure mm-hmm. good point and a skilled player can just decimate shit with polish lancers like a polish lancer army like five you know a single platoon of five polish lancers like yeah yeah they they can wreck face with that um if they're you know if they're a good cavalry player for sure right but for sure. i just want a little bit more utility slash flexibility but mm-hmm. sure no anyway totally makes sense 
but okay. Um, let's go, let's go into the rules, and you can make Warlord upset. Okay, how's that sound? <laughs> okay, if you haven't already made them upset, I, I mean, <laughs> I hope not. I mean, it's not my intention. No, I know, but this this is this one's fun too. Uh, what is your favorite rule? Like, what is the my favorite rule what? is Recky. You guys will okay. be shocked to hear that, but yes, my favorite rule is Recky. <laughs> super surprised. Yeah, <laughs> no, like um, Recky is fantastic. Uh, as someone who plays a lot of cavalry. I love the Recky rule. Um, I think it is misunderstood by people who do not play heavy cavalry lists as far as why it's a good rule. You know, if you just have one Recky armored car or a Recky tank, like, you're probably not thinking about Recky in the, in its optimal form, which is, it's actually just another form of maneuver. And it's another sure, yeah. form of aggressive maneuver, mm-hmm. because you, because the as you've laid out in one of your recent normal episodes, like you have episodes. to, yeah, well, you have to achieve one of three criteria, right, that uh, to do make a legal recce move, and because it's one of three, not all three, like the utility is, or you know, it's huge, like it is so flexible, so. And I right. think if you're not wrecking aggressively, you haven't wrecked correctly. <laughs> Did they? I feel like they changed that. Did they change that, Jeff? Do you remember? They monkeyed with it a little bit, but it doesn't change the fact you can still move closer if you're moving into cover. Yep. Okay. That's what I was like. I'm trying to remember if it broke that or not, but okay. Yeah. So if it doesn't break that, it's still pretty impressive. Yeah. You shoot. You shoot them, and oh shit, they're closer now. What yep. happened? What did? What was I doing? They're closer, and yeah. now they're behind cover, or now yeah. they're closer, and I can't see them. Oh shit, where are they going to come from? Yeah. Yep. Right. And that's yeah, another. That well, and that's that's one of those situations where Polish lancers are at a disadvantage to carbine, uh, carbine right. cavalry, right? I can, you know, someone shoots it, you know, I'm close to someone, but not in point blank, and someone shoots me, and I recce behind something that blocks line of sight, and if I'm a Polish Lancer, like, that's, you know, that is a spent turn for me, but if I've got carbines, I can do my nine-inch move around the, you know, back around and be in position to, you know, shoot you maybe, or threaten to shoot you. Or right. what have you. So, anyways, um, no, there's just yeah. Uh, I cool. love Recky. It's a fantastic rule. I think it is the the changes they made in the latest FAQ regarding it's now now you're you're not placing a down order next to the vehicle when it Reckies now is a mistake. Um, Wait, it, what? I don't remember that either. Y- what do you put down next to it? So not for cavalry, but for vehicles. Uh, so now it's a uh, when you're going to recce with an armored car, or you know, or a tank or something like that, right? Sure. Yep. It's not a you, you don't set a, a down order die next to it. It's an advance or it's a run. I can't remember which. Oh, interesting. Which now okay. makes it so now if it's a down order, right? You can easily assault. It's easier to assault and kill that vehicle. Yeah. Right. And yep. if it's a, I can't remember if it's a run or if it's a, it's an advance, probably, but yeah. e- whatever it is, like that just, it's harder. To, you're not, you know, you're now you're hitting on sixes or not hitting at all, right? On okay. on your okay. assault onto that vehicle, sure. Which is a really okay. big deal if it's an armored car and it's open topped, because yeah. in in situations where it would be like that's a dead armored car, 
not a dead armored car anymore. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I did not realize they made that change. It's, so that's. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. What is your least favorite rule? Uh, my least favorite rule is the HE templates. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, this okay. is really. I, I'm sure this is controversial. I really preferred the version one dice system. Mm-hmm. Just I bigger, liked yeah, it okay. a lot. It 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 encouraged. It it didn't fuck with people. It didn't create a gamey formation game mm-hmm. as much, right? It allowed sure. people to they you know they had to think about like who's you know who's gonna be in range to shoot and who's gonna have line of sight to shoot and things like that. But you didn't ha- you know like there's no reason to have a conga line of dudes <laughs> if yeah. a tactical conga line if you know you've got. Uh, if you don't have templates in the game, so yep. yeah, uh, so I think that was a mistake. And you know, who knows? They're probably going to stick with templates, and that's fine because pie plates are strong. But um, yeah, that's my least favorite rule. Okay. Like singular rule, that is my least favorite singular. Oh, yeah. rule. That makes sense. Um. We've asked this of all of our guests. Do you think it's time for a new version? I think we've actually talked about this in person before. We have, yeah. Do you th- um, I do, yes. Uh, I actually thought that uh, the pandemic in 2020 in particular would have been a great opportunity for them to spend a year making version 3 and releasing it in 21. But mm-hmm. especially given the, I don't know, like the hype, at least from my, you know, my really crappy memory, like the hype that they were giving bolt action and stuff like that like before the pandemic hit so yeah, like oh totally. it felt like it was time for version 3 like here we go guys like we're gonna you know it's all but announced kind of thing and then it's like well pandemic hit and everybody shut down and instead of taking that opportunity to you know everyone's working from home let's you know let's write some rules uh, <laughs> you know uh, that might have been our fault. But, I'm sorry. We might have we might have hyped V3 a little too soon. <laughs> we might have been pushing for it a little hard for a while there, trying yeah, to but get he's something not, moving. He's not wrong though. I mean, no, it's kind of everything kind of feels like it went into a holding pattern for two and a half years here, and some things don't feel like they needed to have. Yeah, right. I mean, Brandon Sanderson wrote what five books in two years. We could right. probably have written one, maybe. Yeah. Oh, sadly, we didn't get there, but. I, yeah, no. I, okay, well, we all agree version 3 should happen. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, it'd be great if it'd come out. Um, or at least a version 2.5. Something. Just yeah. fit all the errata into one book. That'd be great if they could do that. That'd be that'd be a big step forward. That would be nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, if if they did make a version 3, what would be one thing that you would really love to see them change in, in that book? I would really love to see them change the terrain system. Oh. Yeah. Interesting, okay. Uh, so I think right now the way version 2 has the terrain system presented and the rules written for it and the way it's organized in the book it just is very convoluted and so, and people have a hard time or seem to have a hard time wrapping their head around it I would like to see them do like the whole you know true line of sight game thing I would like to see them kind of you know and like every you know like from the miniatures perspective thing I would like to see them move away from I would like to see them go more in the kings of war direction with their terrain okay yep where like terrain pieces 
have or terrain pieces in models in model types have heights. So, okay. like in infantry, is it, for those who don't know and haven't read the Kings of War system, uh, you know, infantry models are height one. Uh, large yep, infantry okay. or you know, cavalry are height two. Uh, monster, because it's a fantasy game. Uh, monsters are uh, height three or four. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I played that game. And then. Uh, and send, and then terrain features have uh, have height values the same way that individual unit types have height values. So like, okay, and you get to like you get to decide what that is with your opponent in the game. And so, and there's no like, well, you know, I I get down here with my cheek on the table, and I you know I can see that you know it's a little bit you know this bush a little bit obscures this miniature kind of thing like it's like no that that bush is a you know you've agreed already that that bush or that hedgerow is height you know height one right so the thing behind it or is height zero because they do have a height zero in the system it's height zero so it does provide cover to the height one thing behind it but you can see the height one thing behind the height zero <laughs> thing does that make sense so, no it makes perfectly good yeah. sense yeah. and it just it would just make things so much simpler and faster and we don't have to mess about with you know can i see the torso or head of the model i don't have to sure. mess around with do i see 50% of the tank you know, like when I put my cheek down, like from the targeting model's perspective, blah blah blah. Like, yeah, right. it just it saves that. Sure, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily this exact system I would think of, but but you're you're, you're essentially asking for them to abstract it a little bit more, yeah. make it more. Yes, absolutely. Like, that is exactly what abstract I'm and streamline it yep. essentially. Well, and I absolutely vehicle. If you can see a vehicle or not, and if a vehicle gets covered or not, is one of the most argued about and yeah. rough yeah, rules. That's to play not fifty percent. Yeah. Jesus, no. I, I hate that rule in game. And is are we in the front or the side? I just yeah. want to flip the fucking table. <laughs> well and I've you know, I've argued it I've argued the that rule, you know, wrong before also. Like mm-hmm. sure. you know, I because I think in version one it was, you know, fifty percent of the facing or yeah. like it was fifty percent percent of the facing like back in I don't know, like a 40k edition way in the back you know way in the past or in fantasy or something i don't know sure. a, in my mind it was like yeah no it's you know it's 50 percent of the facing or something i don't know and i've argued that rule wrong before too so yeah i i so simpler I almost, terrain rules would be yeah <laughs> yeah no that would that's i when you started i was like you explained like every rule in the book though where you're like it's kind of convoluted and it's hard to like wrap your mind around and i'm like yeah that's like every rule in the book just yeah. unfortunately <laughs> how the book is laid out and it makes it really hard to get through some of that stuff sometimes yeah um okay so you have do you have a favorite scenario that you like to play um do you, what's your favorite scenario do you have one uh other than just um, timely objectives, yeah, I really no, I really do like timely objectives. Though I, know. I was just gonna say, uh, I don't know about a favorite scenario, but I do really like objective scenarios. Um, okay, and I like, and I like the the tweaks that you guys have made on objective based scenarios. But yeah, um, I like an objective scenario. I like uh, board control scenarios. So. so. 
that's like two thirds of volume. I know, right? right it's there. really yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, it's, yeah. Sorry, it's okay. I don't have a. But there, there's a fair <laughs> number that are kill points too. Actually, that's fair. There's plenty of there are plenty of scenarios that have kill points. And well, and I, I feel like it's either you've got it. The scenarios are it's a kill point scenario, or it's a control the board scenario. And I prefer control the board scenarios. But mm-hmm. okay, you know, or there's envelopment or double envelopment, and it's get off the board. Is the move, name of the move game. your stuff. Yeah. yeah. But move your stuff. To prevent your opponent. Um, I can't find. Oh, sorry, no, okay. 42, 42 minutes. I can't find the scenario we were supposed to talk about. Uh, we were supposed to talk about no man's land. Is what my no man's my land. email oh, said. Nope. Yeah. I'll take. I believe your email's yeah, correct. That checks just, out. Yeah. Hold on a second. No, Let's okay. find a rule book. Give me one second. Yeah. This makes for good radio here. I was going to say, just don't make me read it. You know, like line for line. Right. <laughs> No, we let Rick do that. He's got the golden voice. Yeah. I'd be kind of curious to try out a different terrain system some night, just see how it plays. I mean, it's I, I can it's, bring I can bring the Kings of War book in, and you can yeah. you can it's it is literally one page of terrain rules, and it is so well done. Uh, yeah, I'll bring it in. You can read it, and you if you want to. Actually, I was thinking about it for the. Uh, company level moderns that I'm building that mm-hmm. we're going to play. Um, yeah. The, I was thinking about just, you know, changing the terrain rules out because essentially we're going to play, uh, what's it called? Uh, the tank, the warlord tank game, uh, tank wars, mm-hmm. uh, basically going to play tank wars just with some slight modifications for, you know, cause they're moderns. Yeah. Moderns and not, sense. and then I was going to, yeah, because it's six millimeter scale, you got to abstract it. Sorry. Cause my, even my my fat face is not gonna like be able yeah, to get no, low I'm, I'm enough to like see what the what the yeah, no chance I'm getting eye level on a six millimeter model. Forget yeah. that. All right, I can't I can't find my book. I give up. Um, but we'll just we'll talk. Well, Jeff, you have your book, and you probably know the scenario better than I do. Well, I got, I got my digital in front of me. Yeah, his, <clears> which <throat> one's no man's land? Enough of that's this battle scenario number one. Everybody, both players roll a die. Highest uh, score picks a long table edge, declares which of his units, if any, are left off in reserve. Up to half your units rounding down. The other player does the same. Uh, once players are declared the units left in reserve, they deploy their units. Both players must put an order die in the bag for every unit not in reserve. It needs to be deployed. Then draw a die, and that player whose die has been drawn must deploy one of their units at least 12 inches from the table. So this is one where you're not moving on. You're deploying out 12 to 12 inches from your table edge. Sure, yep, okay. Objective is simple. Both sides must try to destroy the other while pr- protecting your own. There is a prep bombardment on a 2+. plus. Um, both players roll. Hooray. First turn. <laughs> During turn one, visibility is supposed to be limited to 24 inches. Good luck anyone ever actually remembering that. <laughs> Does anyone ever play that role? A uh, lot of I people mean, forget that, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm really guilty of that, too, actually. And I don't... Sorry, go ahead and finish. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm totally guilty of doing that, and I have occasionally brought the Germans with the freaking night scopes, and I forget oh. it. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like the one nice. time that thing's actually useful. <laughs> right. Uh, six turns, might play a seventh. Oh, hold on. Yeah, uh, six turns, might play a yeah. seventh. And then victory, uh, one side scores at least two more victory points than the other. They win. You get one per enemy unit killed. Destroyed. Both sides get that. Yeah. Yep. So this is the classic lineup and smash each other in the face. <laughs> With the added first turn, you can only see up to 24 inches. Lovely. 
what a fun scenario. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, I don't like you know kill point. I prefer, <laughs> I don't like kill point missions, but I, I actually think the uh, the limited visibility thing is what makes or has the potential to make this scenario. Um, and I think it's because uh, well, it's the the limit the limited uh, ability or visibility is just the first turn, or you have to play it just the first turn in the scenario. It has the option for the reduced visibility rules for Don Assault, given mm-hmm. on page 219. And okay. you guys, or rather Pat, uh, did that for with this scenario for Scenario 1 for this year's Recon Rumble. And Monty and I were facing off against each other for this, and we had a blast. And it was fucking nighttime the entire game. <laughs> See, that would be fun. It was fun. Yeah. It was amazing. Like, it, it yep. was down to, you know, a dice throw every time, so it could have become, you know, the the fog could have lifted and the daylight could have shone through and we could have been back to normal kill face at any given moment. But we played the whole fucking game just out of the luck of the dice at <laughs> night, and we had a blast. It was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you like, got to be on top of each other then. Like, yeah, you're not going to – you can't sit back for sure. Yeah, That's fun. So and, and I think yeah and I think the limited uh, the, what the limited ability gives is it, is it forces both players to maneuver. Mm-hmm. It, forces, it forces everyone to to move and you can't just castle up in a corner and you know play defensively you know unless you know your opponent's going to come get you but if they're going to do that then I don't know like they're just going to pick one or two off and they're going to win. So, right. Yeah. yeah. You got to move. Okay. Anyways, okay. Uh, that the, that's my two cents on when it comes to uh, like what has the potential to make this a fun scenario. Otherwise, for me, it's less enjoyable. But okay, uh, um, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> but we can run through the, yeah. the questions you guys have because I think it, it breaks down the the scenario the scenario and guides the conversation better. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I mean, attacker defender doesn't matter in this scenario yeah. particularly. So, so when when you step up to the table, what are your considerations for picking a side? Like, do you what what is your thought right. process? So, if I'm playing this like the scenario is written, right, and I'm not using the you know, it could be the whole game that we're playing the limited visibility. Uh, my considerations are the same as they would be for probably any table, uh, especially any table that I'm having to deploy on. Uh, I'm looking at dense woods, buildings, uh, masking terrain, basically. I'm looking Mm -hmm. for who's got masking terrain uh, because, like I said, I play a lot of cavalry, and masking terrain is your friend. (laughs) At least cavalry carbine, it's it's your friend. Um, But, uh, yeah, Uh, so I look for that. I look for roads, you know, obviously the the avenues of approach that somebody's going to throw a tank down or an armored car or, I don't know, fill-in-the-blank awful thing to ruin your day. You know, a squad <laughs> of assault pioneers or whatever the Russian equivalent <laughs> is in a truck, and they're going to get out yep. and flamethrower your ass, and you're going to die. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. It's going to yep. be barbecued horses. Um, thanks, Monty. Uh, and then I, then I also look for a uh, hardcover on the table. Um, okay. Because while I might not be like in area hardcover, I will definitely run my infantry behind it because the way the hardcover rules are written, it I get that advantage even if I'm not up on that hardcover and not getting it, you know, and with the negatives. So yeah, those are the three things I look for when picking a table side: is 
what the masking terrain looks like, where the roads are, and what the hardcover looks like. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, pretty meat and potato stuff. <laughs> Keeping it simple is good, though. I like I like simple. Well, yeah, because nope. I'd be. It's not even that simple. Because I'm assuming that you know, after turn one, you know, we're gonna go back to daytime killing each other. So I'm gonna right. need to. Yeah. I'm gonna. In most people, or in most most people who make tables, right? Masking terrain tends to be in the middle of the table. Uh, you know, hardcover tends to be in the middle half of the table, right? Twelve inches sure. under the side. Yeah. So for that one turn, that first turn that we're, you know, playing with limited visibility in the darkness, like, I want to move. I want to move really, you know, and I want to move up to these uh, terrain uh, objectives that are going to make the, you know, following five to six turns, you know, an advantage for me. Yeah, yeah totally. So. Um, I, th I think we kind of already answered this, but it, like play styles that take advantage of in this scenario, I mean, uh, sounds like aggressive. Yeah, I think it's aggressive. Although you can, it depends. I think it also depends on your list build, right? Um, sure. Because I've played this scenario both ways. Uh, I've played, or sorry, with two, you know, the, I've played it with the aggressive list, and I've played it with the you know like giant. Or not giant, but like full size vet squad list that is against a, against opponents who are you know kind of more fragile and aggressive in their play. Mm -hmm. So if you're not doing if you're not doing you know nighttime all the whole time, like I think it behooves you to be aggressive and offensive and to bring units that have that, but. If there's a possibility that it's going to be nighttime the whole time, like sitting in area hard or soft cover with, you know, 10 vets and waiting for, you know, them to come punk you, <laughs> like, all right, like, you know, we're, we're going to see how far we can each see. Like, this is kind of a crapshoot dice game, but I know I've done everything I can to maximize my position. So, mm -hmm. sure. I don't know. Totally. Um, so it depends, right? But uh, I think the scenario favors aggression. I also think the scenario favors double teaming units because especially, especially if nighttime is going to go on the entire game, uh, if you can get two units to double team and isolated and isolated by sight, right? For, cause they're, cause if there's sight limitations, like your, you know, heavy howitzer isn't going to be able to support your lone, even if it's a big vet squad, right? It's not going to be able to, support your lone big vet squad that's more than 24 inches away from you right very easily so totally yeah so i think aggressive uh or aggression and double teaming is an advantage in this scenario okay cool we we've we've talked in uh in a lot about the special rules i mean i think the only special rule we haven't really covered in, in any depth is prep bombardment um, and hidden do you have any considerations for it oh there's hidden in this yeah. one too that's right Okay, so we got we got two more rules to talk yeah. about. So the prep bombardment, um, do you do anything when you face prep bombardment different than when you would not? I guess I mean, like. So I hate prep bombardment. So when you ask me what me my too. least yeah. favorite, what yes. you, when you ask me what my least favorite uh, mm. rules were, um, it was a tie in my mind between prep bombardment <laughs> and HE templates. But obviously, HE templates are more applicable all sure. the time, so they won. But uh, I hate prep bombardment, and I hate the fact that Pat had has made prep bombardment automatic for every tournament he's run the entire mm -hmm. year for everyone. Um, so not cool. 
but you know he's a TO and he gets to do whatever the hell he wants. Uh, he's he's trying to please me though, unfortunately, because I despise when my opponent gets his prep bombardment, but I don't get mine. Where like I roll the one and he's like, I got mine. I'm gonna just smash your unit, and it basically just ruins the game for me. Sure, like no, no, that typically ruins the game for totally. me. Totally. I I just wish we could roll and see if it like one roll for both players and like is prep bombardment happening in this game for you know both of us or none of us. Yep. Like yeah. You know, uh, I don't know, and I'd be okay with that too. I always, I always get fucked with prep bombardment. Like yep. <laughs> it always, like so. Uh, it happened to me, like I said, in that uh, recon rumble first game, first scenario. This scenario uh, against Monty, like prep bombardment was an automatic thing that Pat had happen, and killed my freaking uh, armored car one shot you know came Ouch. in like yep. and gone so it's like oh great cool yeah <laughs> and oh, that's how this game's gonna be yeah no great. no and then operation mm-hmm. snafu same thing first turn first scenario and it came in and it killed i can't remember what it was it uh what did it kill i didn't have an armored car in, in operation i think it um fuck what did it kill Shit, I'm sorry, guys. No, I'm blanking. Yeah, but it, it yeah. you know, it came in. And it, it, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a big, you know, infantry unit or anything like that. It came in. It it killed it, and it just fucked. Well, and it always. It seemed so. If prep bombardment doesn't kill a unit for you, like a, a single hit unit, right? It mm-hmm. basically yep. negates the entire first turn because. Right. You spend it all rallying. Yeah, because yeah, I never yeah. end up with just one pin on a unit. It's no. always two pins or three pins. Yep. I'm, <laughs> yep. That's just my luck yep. with prep bombardment, so I hate it. Uh, but um, but because of this, I always put everything in. I don't give a shit. I don't let prep bombardment rule my rule my day. Uh, yep. My philosophy is you either accept the risk or you don't, and that's each player's you know call to make. But I, at this point, I don't care. Even though it stung me a thousand times, I'm gonna stick everything out there and not try and hide the you know the onesie twosies units and bring them on later okay. because I would rather have okay. them on the board playing the game. That's okay. just me. <laughs> that's a reason. That's reasonable. Yeah. Even though it might not. Even though <laughs> even though it's gonna kill your armored car, <laughs> or it's gonna kill your you know fill in the blank key, you know small team that you really thought was gonna be important for you in the whatever scenario you're playing. Like no. Sure. Just throw it out there. I I can see why you don't like kill point scenarios now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, shit, I just lost two dice? Oh, man, that sucked. That's not going to be great. No, I actually, Um, the thing I don't like about Bombardment is not the fact that it, you know, it kills, you know, my small units or onesie twosie thing. It is that if both both players get prep Bombardment, it basically negates one or two turns of the game. Totally. I mean, let's be honest. most games in a tournament setting they should go full time but they don't they don't yeah, right, they don't make it to right. turn 6 most of them so now the game is decided in two turns to three turns instead of you know the full 6 right so, no that totally totally makes sense or like, you know yeah. in the case of most people the 4 to 5 right range which is seemingly too early in most games yeah. to be able to really make a definitive answer to who actually won the game. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would love it if everyone could play fast and play. But it, <laughs> and even when you're sitting there and you agree with your, you know, with your, you know, you're doing table talk before a game and you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna play fast, blah 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 blah. 
shit happens. Like, you know, indecision, you know, paralysis, like the, you know, for 45 seconds happens. Yep. 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 No, totally. Or even just like one rule, look up thing kills your, kills your speed real quick. Kills all momentum. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, yeah, it becomes real easy to slow down. Always call the TO or if they're by, just call them. Just ask them. Yeah. And then I will go find someone else for you because... I am never confident that I, my answers are right. Yeah, don't ask. The, don't ask the people next door. They don't know shit either. No, well, you don't want to. You don't want to interrupt their mojo yep. either, though, right? That's. Yep. I mean, in a tournament, that's not good etiquette. Yeah. No, ask. Like, don't ask the tournament god. Yep. Yep. So, because exactly. even if they get it wrong, that's the way it's going to play. I was just going to say, yeah, right. their their word is law. So yep. For that day. So. That's what I'm going to start saying. My word is law. <laughs> I am <laughs> the law. <laughs> I am the law. Sounds that sounds way too much power for me. For we're not going to do that. Jeff, you should um, print him a 3D print of uh, Judge Redhead or Judge Tread helmet. <laughs> the helmet. I know, but then, the but, but then do I get the the Stallone looking one or do I get the uh, Carl Urban Ooh. looking one? The Stallone one, because then Rick has to like constantly contort his face the whole time. It's true. I, yep, that's no, worth it right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just look like look like Stallone. I was going to say it should probably be the other one because I don't. I mean, Warlord makes a Dread game that has the other version, right? He looks oh more yeah, like, that's not true. Like Stallone. Uh, I guess he look. Yeah, he looks like the comic book version, which I suppose yeah, is that's probably maybe slightly thinking, yeah. closer to to Stallone. To Stallone. Yeah. Is it closer spoiler to alert thing? for all our British listeners? I never read any of those comics, so I don't know. I, I my familiarity begins and ends with movies. Sorry, I'm like I don't even know if I watched that movie. So what? Sorry, you've never watched I, that movie. The Either second of them? one's excellent. God, I no I no they're, no Jeff, they're both excellent. Well, they're both excellent, <laughs> but for different reasons. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay, I. I, I'm I'm a, not a fan of Stallone. I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> the movie we watched at our thing that our week our, our weekend away was oh, more Cobra? Stallone than I've seen in uh, yeah. Was yeah. it Cobra? God, yeah, it was really Cobra. bad. Should, everyone should watch that movie. No, oh my god, or not? No. That was pretty bad. All right, let's talk about Hidden then too, because yeah. that's a that's I don't ever use it because I don't I forget it exists. Yep. So how about you? Do you use it? So I actually so every. Um, Every year I, I get a new, like, uh, pin marker dials and stuff from, I order them from Historique because Rob's awesome. Yep. Just plug mm-hmm. Rob yes. for a second. Uh, and this year I, somebody made a comment at at a tournament or an event, like, about Hidden, how nobody uses Hidden, and I'm sure you guys had said it in the podcast too. But um, I'm like, damn it, this year I'm going to do Hidden. So I ordered a bunch, enough Hidden markers for every single freaking unit. Like if I order nice. an order dial, that's going to be a mar- you know pin marker for a unit. It also comes with a hidden token. So, mm-hmm. um, nice. I said I was going to you know going to use it, and I did. So that's nice. that's actually one of my goals for this this year is to use hidden, play it. So okay, mm-hmm. that's that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Like it doesn't hurt that if you read the the tournament pack and you read the scenarios. It's real easy for you to go like, oh, like, let me go look up hidden again because, yep. like, you, it's uh, it's fresh in mind. Well, and it's one of those sure. things where does it have to say you can use hidden, or does it say, or is it a negating thing? Like, is hidden always an option until it's not, or I can't, I can never remember. Ooh, uh, I think it tells you when you can be hidden. Okay, I th- I, there's it's, something in my head that says like hidden is in a lot of these fucking scenarios, though. It, and it might be in a lot of the scenarios, but if I remember correctly, it's additive, right? It's, yeah. You may use hidden in this scenario. Yeah. Yep, but it's in a lot I, of them, right? I it's not. Correctly. It is not a. Restri- it's not a restricted rule. 
as far no. as uh, you know, they 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 use it fairly liberally throughout. It's, the... it's sprinkled around in there. Yeah. I I'll yes. be honest with you, I didn't pay enough attention to it until I started dabbling with Italians. Where if they get to be defensive, they can deploy hidden a lot of the time. And I was yep. like, oh, something that doesn't suck in this book, so I better use it. <laughs> <laughs> Only in one third of the scenarios, <laughs> you, you know, you got to take what you can get with them. At least, you're not, totally, totally. You know, no. I, I so would still bad, roll you... to be the attacker. Yeah, well, yeah. I would ask. Un, un, unfortunately, I'm like, oh, I'm still in the attacker. Never mind. Okay, yeah. I don't get my special rules. <laughs> but just going back to prep bombardment yeah. for a second, I was like, I was just thinking about this in my head. How would you fix it? And I'm like, I actually just think people, I allow it as a as a purchasable item like a artillery observer or a air observer i think that's a i think that's a really cool idea uh like are you yeah. but are you purchasing the chance like you're gonna roll the dice and, oh yeah okay it's so just like every other all right, chance so right? Buy, all right so you're buying it as a chance so you you pay yep. whatever the heck the appropriate points cost is and a two plus it happens and on two oh, yeah. plus it happens okay I'd, yep. I'd make one other suggestion with that and i know the british players are gonna just you know whatever about this <laughs> if you take an, if you put an artillery observer in your list, he can either prep bombardment or call an artillery strike in sometime during the game, and that's his only use of it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Now, of course, the British get it free, so you're like, well, yeah, pisser. But at least you're not getting shot in the face twice by the British. Yeah, well, but also I, I like that as a because I I don't know because I I might think that prep bombardment is a more useful thing in a certain scenario than an artillery strike. Agreed. Right. So yeah, right. I, I might, you know, that might be the the majority of the way I would play it. Actually, is like yes, prep bombardment, go. Right. So. Yep. Yeah. Especially like in a scenario like this where you're deploying everything, yep. it makes a lot of sense. Like, if and if you had an artillery observer and you're like, oh, I don't get prep bombardment this game because nothing's on the board. Yep. I got an artillery strike later. That's yep. I, I actually that that would be fine by me. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. See a lot more artillery observers and in other armies. Right. And there's going to be some games where like the guys brought some. You know, Stalingrad list with six snipers, and you're like, I think I'm just going to do prep bombardment because yeah. my artillery observer is going to get killed before I get to action. He's yeah. going to get smoked. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, well, and then you've got cool. the best chance of affecting all of those snipers. Exactly. Assu- well, sorry, what? Because prep bombardment doesn't affect outside of the deployment zone. So, you assuming correct, they're dumb enough to deploy farther back, because that's where and the you know advantageous what? terrain and maybe, is. And maybe know. that's and maybe that's an additional change. You let prep bombardment. If you'd use them like that, effect outside the deployment zone. Oh yeah, that would be interesting. Sure, I mean, you know, that, I mean, you, if you're going to change it, change it. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to change it, change it. That's right. Right, yeah. and, and and quite honestly, you're paying for it at that point, so it should be maybe more effective. Yeah. Yep. Or have a chance to be more effective. Yep. So because it's less likely to kill something. Yes. In that prep bombardment, but it's better because it's going to pin everything. Yep. Right. It's going to slow your opponent down for one turn. Yeah. Which, which is kind of interesting. We can also okay, control well. all delete naval observers, and I'll be happy. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> well, in uh, in running it that way in this scenario is really a big advantage, right? Because if you can pin, if mm-hmm. if your opponent has to rally for the first turn, right? Like mm-hmm. great, like visibility's, you know, twenty four inches. Like you're, you know, move anyways. But if you're stuck rallying, like boom, you're on the back foot. You can't maneuver. Right. Yep. So, I don't know. I'd, yeah. Yeah. Bombardment. Interesting. Yeah, it'd be it'd be fun to figure that out. But okay, cool. Uh, What's your what's your basic plan to win? Well, in this, I'm assuming the Pat's question here. Sorry, I'm reading the questions that Pat gives me here. I'm assuming it's related to this scenario. So you've already kind of laid this out. But like, how is your plan to win this game? Yeah, um, it's uh, the first turn. You know, everything should move. 
you know, unless, yep. unless it's you know an artillery piece that you've set up in the, the optimal firing angle for when it can see, right? Um, or I guess optimal. I don't know. Well, th- so if your artillery piece has an observer, right? Are you measuring twenty four inches line of sight from the observer? The observer, right? So actually, artillery for yeah for line of sight, yeah, because yeah, that's all you need is line, line of sight to fire it. Mm-hmm. Your range is not in, in fact or infected. I almost said infected, yeah. affected. You're, yeah, that, the range line of sight from the gun doesn't mean anything. Sure. Right. If so you could hear it. So yeah, but yeah, so exactly. so everything that isn't an indirect fire, you know, thing is moving on turn one. Like if yep. it's not, you're sure. losing. Uh, at least in my mind, because it's about pressure. I I, I I like to play the pressure game, yeah, um, sure. or at least I try to play the pressure game because that's a better game to play. At least in my mind, um, I don't always succeed. Uh, so yeah, turn one, everything moves, um, and then it's about isolating and double teaming enemy elements. Uh, and then I'm going to try and work from big to small in with that I'm going to work from I'm going to work at big big infantry units to isolate them and to make and try and pin them and you know make them work to activate and do things so they're isolated from supporting their smaller elements that are easier to kill if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um so Yeah. yeah so my basic plan is being offensive not defensive isolate and double team enemy units and then work from big to small as as the game goes forward if that makes sense mm-hmm. totally yeah so yeah as that 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 totally works yep okay i don't know if it works but that's after looking at the scenario <laughs> that's my that plan. seems 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 to that's work. my plan <laughs> yeah makes sense to me and you're sticking yeah. to it dang it all right uh, <laughs> like like all of these are hard. Like I, I go to like when I think about deployment for an army, mm-hmm. like I think about like well, yeah, you can tell me something, but it doesn't. It's going to dramatically change depending on the table. I agree. Mm-hmm. Like you might play the same units down. I guess like you've already said you'll de- you're going to deploy everything. You're just like screw yep. it. I'm putting it all, all out there, the getting it running as fast as I'm I can. Wait. Yeah. No, and that, and and especially if you have no visibility the first turn, that actually kind of makes sense because you're going to be able to try and get things into optimal position. But is there anything else you consider during deployment phase? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, don't be a lazy gamer, right? Don't don't be the go with <laughs> okay. the flow guy. And yeah, if right. you win the roll off, like you know, get down there, look at the fire lanes, like pick your table side. Um, right. You know, don't <laughs> don't. Uh, don't say, oh, I'll take this side just because my stuff's over here. It's cool. Like, don't say that unless, like, you've already scoped the shit out beforehand and you're like, this is the best side. Okay. Um, yeah, totally. But, yeah, don't be the lazy gamer. Um, yeah, never leave anything in reserve <laughs> would be my uh, deployment <laughs> phase for this. And then uh, Interesting. Okay. and then use hidden setup because if you're only playing one turn of limited visibility, like, if for some reason you've decided that Actually, you know, my the deployment for these units on there's, you know, covering this road that runs, you know, full length of, of the table, and I know they've got a bunch of, you know, armored or they've got a bunch of transport units that they're gonna or transports that they're gonna try and run down this thing, or it would make sense to run down this thing, like, yeah, you know, you're you're already twelve inches from the center with your deployment with those guys, then yep. 
hidden setup would be great. Uh, you know, always making them hit you on sevens would be great. Yep. But totally. Um, so yeah, those are my like three considerations for the deployment phase, I guess, for this. Okay. Aside from what we had talked about before with like choosing table size, but yeah. No, totally. I am. I. I'm fully admit I'm a lazy. Gamer. Oh yeah. No, no. Oh, I'm guilty too. of it too. Especially at like tournaments where they're all the tables are together, and I'm like, eh, I got to walk around. Yeah. Like that sounds awful. Yeah. Like, please, I'll just. I. <laughs> I will fully admit I've spun a table before. <laughs> I'm like, I want this side, but I'm just we're gonna spin the table. Is that all right? I'm just gonna. Jeez. I want that side, but I don't want to move. Oh, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, it's only. I think it only happened once because I don't think there was. There's not many times that that happens now because everyone uses mats and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. Yeah. I think it was at a Warhammer tournament where I had a. They had a cart like a yeah, heavy bo- heavy wood board. Yep. So you're like, just, let's just spin the sucker. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of lazy gamer type stuff, just like the lazy Susan of lazy gamers. I mean, there's something to that though. Wouldn't it be great? Like, because there, you. There are always those times in games where it's like, well, shit, all my stuff's working on the opposite side of the table now, and I've got to walk all the way the fuck around, you know, and, it's, uh-huh. and never, yep. there's never the gap between the tables. So it's like, i got to walk around at least two tables to get to the other side here. Yeah. So, like, a lazy Susan table would be really cool in that situation. Like, that okay, be, hold on a second, really spin. Boring. I'm going to activate this unit, spin it back, you know? Yeah. So there's a new new uh, new term for flipping the table though is just spin the table hard, <laughs> just centrifugal force it all off. I was thinking about that. I'm like, I remember like there at the end of like turn five and six of like some of those scenarios where both players are on the same side of the table, mm-hmm. yeah. which is just like it's kind of awkward. Like nobody needs to be that close to each other if you can avoid it. But, well, I'll just go stand over the, there. Like I'm yeah, not moving. No, right. All right, I mean, great. Like yeah, we're, all my yeah. shit's over here. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just going to keep playing on this side of the table. Yeah, so double envelopment. Here. Like by turn yeah. three, yeah. I'm standing. You know, at least I'm standing over there. Like, all right, now there's no reason for me to go back. You switch right. sides yep. and double envelopment yeah. halfway through the game. Just flip, flip to the other side of the table. Yeah, bring it. Bring your chair with you. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Yeah, I okay. So uh, I know I don't. I'm not this good, but are you this good? Is less the question? We no, have probably not. Um, so do you? Do you? <laughs> take different considerations into early, late, and mid-game? Um, very rarely. Uh, like, at the okay. tournament, very rarely. Um, I'm not that planning ahead. I, I take them into consideration when I'm building the army list. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, not usually, like, on game day. I very... Maybe, maybe for first game, you know, if I've got, I've got the tournament pack ahead of time and I've read it, uh, maybe for game one, I you know I've got a okay. game plan, or I've got a general outline of how I want my unopposed guys to walk through a table, right? But okay. that always changes as soon as you've got you know whatever force you're you're matched up against. But um, right. But because we had this information ahead of time, and it's like it's you know turn one of a tournament or a game one of a tournament, uh, I I do have a I did do a, the homework and come up with something i don't think okay. it's good but i came up with something <laughs> okay okay um so uh early game phase uh or so like the first half of the first half of the game assuming we're gonna get our you know full six turns in right um yeah, big right. assumption sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so like i said before uh turn one everything maneuvers when when it's dark yep. um 
if you can start stacking uh, start stacking uh, pins to on, on units to try and isolate them. So if those okay. you know mortar batteries that you've got, if you've got you know your double mortars or whatever, the artillery or the observer rather is you know within twenty four inches of some unit, and you can get line of sight. Like stack some pins on there. Like you're not going to blow it up, but you know let's stack some pins on there to make activating hard, right? Because we're talking about isolating units in in the sense of both getting them, you know, of both where they're positioned on the board and where you want them want to like try and entice them to move on the board, but also talking about, like, isolating them from, from help, either by their, them, by making it hard for them to activate, or by making their nearest buddies hard to activate, and so therefore they are isolated, you know, from their friends. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, and so for this early game... Phase you're kind of using your indirect and vehicles to do the work, right? Because I assume your vehicles are going to maneuver at a greater rate than your uh, infantry are going to be able to maneuver and then put pins on things. So your vehicles are going to have to move and shoot things. So you know, if you're an American, like pay for veteran, just go shoot pie plates at people. Um, (laughs) You know, especially if your if your opponents deployed on. You know, this is a consideration for how the, the the deployment on this. You know, board works right because you're you're 24 inches. Like if they're on the if they're on the line and you're on the line, like you're almost within 24 inches. So a six inch move could you know maybe gets you within pin putting on range if you're a rifleman. Or you know nine inch move makes life a little easier for your vehicle. Blah blah blah. So mm, sure. uh, yeah. so yeah, the indirect and vehicles are doing the work in the early game to as far as you know stacking, trying to stack pins on things and begin isolation. Um, and then, yeah, big infantry maneuver. Like, everybody moves, everybody runs. Like, there's no walking in in the first turn or the early game. Like, everybody should be running. And if okay. they're if they're if they're not putting pins on on a unit for a specific purpose of isolation, like it should be running. That's that's the way I think about it, and I think that's because I play a lot of cavalry also that has you know six inch shooting. Um, so, or you know, or you're assaulting. So, yeah, big move, big maneuver, early in the early phase to put pressure on your opponent uh, and give them something to react against, and maybe that stops them from executing what, whatever plan they had because this is, you know, game one of the tournament. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then small teams are going to be a distraction, and they're going to stay alive. That's that's their job in the early game phase, in my mind. Don't <laughs> okay. die, small teams. Like you know, this. You know, if you're a sniper team, great. Like, do sniper things if you can see, but you know, stay alive. Sure. So makes sense. Um, Mid game phase. Uh, it's one of those. You start to try and eliminate and soften units uh, that are isolated. Um, you're starting to soften units rather that are that are that you've isolated uh, in the early game. You know, on turns one and two, you've you know you've aggressively moved up. You've put pins on things. Your opponent has to you know work not work to activate, but has to you know roll dice to 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 react to you and do things. So this is start to work on softening those isolated units, uh, and but don't overreach. 
So, like, don't try and kill big veteran units in, you know, in right. the mid-game. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. Unless you land a fat, you know, four-inch template right in the middle of them. Like, <laughs> not going to happen. So Sure. Um, cool. Yeah. And then late game, I guess, it's, like, the units you've softened up or the units you've targeted for elimination, like, eliminate them if you can. But uh, don't give up weakened units of your own. So if you've, you know, in, in your efforts through the game, your, you know, squad of ten regular bros is now whittled down to, I don't know, under five. Like, time to start, you know, going down and staying down or, like, getting behind some masking terrain and, like, try and, like, preserve those points. Like, maybe they did their job by helping to, you know, kill another unit, but now it's time for them to do their other job and not die. So, yeah. <laughs> sure, that's I mean reasonable at that point. Late game, yeah. they probably yeah, late game conserving points is probably not a bad choice. Or you know, force your force your enemy to you know maneuver on them and commit to eliminating that unit. Like there's right. like if that one unit's gonna take you know three if your enemy if your opponent's gonna focus you know three units on trying to eliminate that one big bad unit that stung them real bad like. In, in the mid game and got that really you know their like pride and joy unit or whatever like great let them focus on that like go down and die to <laughs> die slowly and die to the man like <laughs> yeah yeah but no. those are that's my thought anyways on this game or on this scenario um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean no it's very insightful actually I, I I feel like I've learned a little bit even when we're listening to it um and it probably applies to a lot of scenarios, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's kill phase, right? This is kill phase yeah. with a turn one flavor. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not meeting engagement, right? Which is number two? Sounds right. Yeah. I think the two one is meeting And that's, meeting yeah, meeting engagement. And that's that's basically the, like, walk-on version, right? So That's the walk-on and slap each other version. Yeah. So this is the, you know... <laughs> This is basically, you know, slap each other, just you're going to be on the board first, and it'll be dark. Right. So Slap each other, but maybe not the first turn. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's delayed slapping. <laughs> but, which okay. is fine, I guess. I, like I said, I really, like what, I really like this scenario if you're rolling for nighttime the entire, the entire turn, or the entire mm-hmm. uh, seven yeah. turns. Yeah, sure. It definitely makes, it, makes you think a lot for a long yeah. time. Cool. Um, that's the end of our questions. I really, we, I, all of us at Snafu appreciate you Super uh, appreciate coming on here. Uh, it's great to have you in our group too. So, like, getting to see you play in their tournaments and be an active member of the community is really, really awesome. So, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's uh, <laughs> awesome. flattering. It's really flattering. Um, yeah, see you Thursday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, the snafu over and out. I actually have to say it this time, John. Yeah, I let you have that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop recording okay. now. Say bye, Ian. Bye, guys. Say bye, Jeff. Bye, guys. Everyone, have a good night.
again Don't know when Don't know when But I know we'll meet again Some sunny day Dark clouds. 